Hello and welcome to another edition of the Who Says No NBA Trade Podcast. We interrupt this session of Brooke Lopez Bully Ball to bring you some talk about transactions. My name is Colin Ward-Henninger. I'm one of your hosts, a writer at CBS Sports. Joining me, Sam Quinn, a guy who randomly got a bunch of money inserted into his gambling account. That's what I, how much I know about gambling. I call it a gambling account. Sam, how are you doing? You a little bit richer right now? I am a little bit richer right now, Colin. I would have preferred if the public didn't know about that, but I guess that's out there. I've lost a lot of money recently. I don't know what happened. Maybe it was an accounting error. Maybe I've just lost so much that I've lost track of how much. But yes, I found a little bit of money tonight. So I'm in a better mood than I should be considering some recent events, but we persevere. Hey, things happen. As we've found out in this playoffs, uh, nothing's guaranteed. Uh, People get hurt all the time. Right now, as we're recording, I don't know about you, Colin, but all postseason, I've been saying for the Bucks, it's Lopez time. Just pound it in the post, man. That's 2021 basketball for you. Can we talk? I mean, can we just talk about first of all, did Brooke Lopez just like get in like the the Doc Brown time machine and go back? Like, I've never seen him that spry. Like, did you see that alley oop he just grabbed from like eight feet behind the backboard and threw it down? And he had like how six dunks. Yeah, no, six is coming. exactly right. Yeah, well, see, it's exactly yeah. six times. My when have you world. ever seen Brook Lopez dunk six times in a game? Never. Never. And like he's, like, he's doing like the bots, even at peak. He's doing like chin ups on the rim and stuff. It was crazy. It was a lot of fun to watch. I wonder if uh, he'll ever be able to do that again for the rest of his career. Well, you remember that year where everybody on Memphis got hurt? So like Tony Allen had a couple games where he scored twenty five points, and people were like going crazy about it, but. I think the truth is, like, everybody in the NBA can score more if you just give them the chance. And Isn't it's it? specific in that situation because because of Giannis, Brook Lopez can't spend any time near the basket. He's just a spacer. It is a little weird that, you know, you like it happened with the Hawks too, right? They, they blew out the Bucks without Trey Young. And it's like you hear the guys afterwards and they're all like, oh, yeah, you know, we're playing with nothing to lose. It's great when we share the ball. Everybody gets shots. It's, it's a fun way to play. Then you're like – is this like some like reverse shade on like having your star player not share the ball or something? I mean, I get oh, it. I understand. Star is bad, Colin. Or <laughs> my column. <laughs> well, in the second round, Kyrie Irving gets hurt in game four, and the Nets are just shell shocked. Then they come out and win game five. In the Bucks series, Trey Young gets hurt at the end of game three, and the Hawks are just they're, they're lost offensively. They have nothing. They lose game three. They come back out for game four and they win. Giannis gets hurt in the middle of game four. The Bucs are like totally devastated. They get killed from there. They come out in game five. I think all this tells us is all a coach really needs is like time to game plan. You just can't ask anybody but Ty Lue to adjust on the fly. Speaking of Ty Lue, the Clippers win games five and six without Kawhi Leonard. Oh, you're talking about the Utah series for a second. I was like, wait, there's not a game seven. That <laughs> They're still going. <laughs> they brought him back. <laughs> New rule, best of nine. <laughs> like wait we want more pandemic p we'll give Kawhi a chance to play um i don't think I, anybody would have object- objected if we had taken two weeks off and just let everybody get healthy would that have been so wrong that would have been really awesome they, you know what they should have done they should have done the draft during that time really yeah, just, just intermission nothing's gonna exactly. change like what's gonna change between now and the end of the nba finals in terms of who these teams are gonna draft nothing i'll tell you what's gonna change teams are gonna watch this great brooke lopez performance and just say Time to turn back the clock, baby. Time to draft our post-up centers. Where's Caleb Swanigan, and how can I max him out? Yeah, is Vernon Carey available? Yeah, I don't even know where is Vernon Carey. He's on Charlotte last time I checked. He'd get minutes every once in a while when, like, Cody Zeller got hurt, but 
I shouldn't admit that I don't know what, what team a player plays for, but like we saw none of Vernon Carey last year. Also, there's a, a man who makes a lot of money literally by saying who he play for. So. Yeah, you know what? If they can do it, so can we. Exactly. Uh, but the reason I bring up the draft. So the purpose of this podcast, it's the middle of the playoffs. We don't want to talk about it too much, even though we just spent the first five, six minutes of the podcast talking about the playoffs. Uh, there's just a lot of rumors going on right now in the NBA because that's what we love to do in the NBA, whether it's trades, whether it's the draft, whether it's free agency. So uh, Sam had this really good idea. Let's just do it, you know, around the rumor mill. Let's just hit one quick rapid fire. No form, no function, just kind of freelancing. So, Sam, I'm going to throw you one. But I'm just going to start with one that's close to home out here in the Bay Area. Uh, most recently, the Warriors have had a lot of rumors surrounding them for the last three or four years. Uh, the most recent one is John Hollinger says that their Warriors are largely expected to package the number seven pick in the draft. They also have number 14 and possibly James Wiseman. Uh, for a win now upgrade and the name that he threw out was toronto raptors forward pascal siakam so i will throw it to you um initial thoughts on siakam's fit with the warriors and then we can get into whether you think that's the right value for him first of all colin i'm just i'm kind of amazed that you use the term rapid fire on this podcast because we're going to go like 29 minutes on siakam and then we're going to go on the next one and the episode's going to be i'll say an hour 46 it's like, 17, it's like 1776 rapid fire where you have to like reload and you clean the musket and, you know, shove the cannonball in there and everything. That, that counts as rapid. Well, I mean, first of all, we should just start by saying that we talked for an hour off of the air before we even started this. It's one in the morning on the West Coast for us. We are not good at managing our time. Um, as far as Siakam goes, I don't think the Raptors would do it. I'll start with that. I think the Raptors think that they have a chance with a couple of tweaks. And if they really either nail the number four pick or they trade it for a veteran themselves, they can kind of get back into the swing of things next year. So I don't think they're going to do it. I'll throw this out there though. I don't think it would be the worst idea if they got Wiseman and number seven for Siakam, right? Like Wiseman for all of his flaws, he's a hyper athlete. And if you put that kind of guy in Toronto's player development system, say you take Jalen Suggs at, at number four, there's your point guard and your center of the future, right? And you can trust that you're going to develop them well. You'll figure out the roster around them. Ananobi is still very young, so he fits in with them. I don't know. Like, I like the idea more than I think Raptors fans do. I don't think they would want to take on Andrew Wiggins from a salary standpoint. As far as Golden State goes, I like it. I don't really love it. I don't think – Siakam is a good defender, but he's not like Andrew Wiggins. He's not as much as the one-on-one, you know, take the other team's best wing sort of defender – and he's such an inconsistent shooter that if you put him with Draymond, I think you might have some spacing issues. But, I mean, talent-wise, I have a hard time imagining them doing better unless they were to get, like, Damian Lillard or something. Right, yeah. So, I mean, you said you hit all the main key points there. My first question is, like, for the Warriors, like, is Siakam an upgrade over Wiggins at this point? Yes. For I them. I know that he's enough of one. Like, I don't think he's enough of one where you're giving up all this other stuff. Now, if you could maybe do it without including Wiggins, like Kevon Looney has what, six million in salary? Wiseman is pretty expensive. He's at like eight or nine, I think. Number seven is gonna, once you sign him, gonna have a fair bit of salary. Like if you could organize this in such a way and aggregate enough salary that you're keeping Wiggins, maybe you do it then. But like also, you really wanna have Wiggins, Draymond, and Siakam. They don't really make much sense together as a trio. 
I don't know. Like it's not doing too much for me, but I guess from a talent standpoint, it's enough of an upgrade that like maybe you consider it. I don't know. I'm not crazy about this for either team. The more I think about it. Yeah. And and the thing you brought up about the Raptors, they're in a really interesting position. So I'm doing a story on the most intriguing teams heading into the draft and the Raptors. I don't know what number they are. Uh, That's a teaser. You have to go check it out on CVSports.com. But they're intriguing because they have the number four pick and they can kind of go either way. Right. They can either uh, trade Siakam, trade Ananobi, you know, not re-sign Kyle Lowry and kind of go into this rebuilding mode. Or they can do what you mentioned, you know, trade number four for a veteran themselves, uh, maybe pull off a deal like this, which is kind of half and half where you kind of, you know, stay relevant, but but get some assets for the future. I think they're a really interesting team. Do you have any read on what kind of direction you think the Raptors are going in? I think if they're making a big trade, it would be for like a real superstar, right? Like, I think they would be a good dark horse for Damian Lillard. I've written this. I've tweeted this. I think with number four and all their other draft picks, they could put together a really, really compelling offer without necessarily breaking up their core. Maybe not. Maybe you give up one guy. Maybe you give up Siaka. Maybe you give up Van Vliet. I don't think they're going to go backwards. It just doesn't really seem like something they've ever done. So, I mean, I guess Masai sort of tried when he tried to trade Kyle Lowry to the Knicks, right? Like, maybe this is his chance. But it seems like I don't think they're that far away, right? They're going to have a great defense next year, you would presume, with Siakam, Van Vliet, and Ananobi. They're going to add, a, I would say, a prospect in Jalen Suggs who's ready to contribute right away, assuming that's who they take. I don't know. Like, I guess I just don't really see the reason that you trade backwards unless you're really going to go all in. Like, if you're going to do that trade, at that point, why don't you trade Fred Van Vliet somewhere else as well? Right. And I I think I'm with you. I think that the Raptors are really close to contention. Um, I think, as I mentioned, I think on the last podcast, moving moving back to Toronto, I think is going to be a, a kind of an underrated thing for them. They spent their entire season in Tampa last year. Uh, things out just clearly weren't right, and then they had the COVID issues. Um, but as you've brought up before, um, just because you're good doesn't mean that you suddenly become a contender. The East is going to have some really good teams next year. So I, I think that's kind of the the calculus that they're doing is is if we do kind of run it back with this core, maybe add a piece or two or add, you know, Suggs in the draft, uh, do we feel that this is a team that can be a championship contender in the next few seasons? And if the answer is no, you have to start looking at other options. And, and that leads to what, what your favorite option is, tanking or blowing it up. I don't think they should tank. I think this is, this is one of the few teams. Wait, hold on. Who is yeah. this? Put Sam back think- on the phone. They're one of the few teams that, like, if I were them, I would go in the other direction. And I know Damian Lillard is, like, every team is going to go for him. He is the guy that I think they could reasonably get for a fair enough price that, like, they're not going to be better than Brooklyn. But I think what we've seen this year especially, but also with the 2019 team, is that if you can put yourself within a sprained ankle of making the finals, you do it. I wholeheartedly agree with you, and I'm going to keep this recorded. I'm going to cut it out, cut out the clip, and next time you well, say, "Well, there's a line tank, to it," gonna, there I'm are plenty say, of teams that should tank. Hey, remember what you said about the Raptors? Same situation. There are plenty of teams that should tank, by the way, and we'll get to some of them. All I'm saying is, if you can get to a level where you're one good break away from the title, I think you got to go for it. Most teams are not one good break away from the title, and we're even seeing this right now. The Phoenix Suns are in the finals, literally, they needed three good breaks. Easy, Sam. Easy. That The Phoenix Suns are a well-constructed team, and they earned their way to the NBA finals. 
end you quote. Sound like some, you sound like you're holding up a newspaper and somebody is filming <laughs> you with a gun. I'm not going to slander the Phoenix Suns. I've done more than enough of that for both of us. Suns and four. Uh, other Warriors people uh, that they've kind of got their eyes on. You mentioned Dame. That you have it's obligatory. You have to mention Damian Lillard whenever you're talking about possible Warriors moves. But we're a long way from that. We did an entire podcast on Damian Lillard trades. A uh, question: If instead of trading Dame, they try to retool around him, do you think CJ McCollum make any sense in Golden State? I don't like it initially, but maybe. I mean, it depends on the price. Like, what are you giving up? Uh, it would be. I think it's all the same. Like Wiggins. Seven and Wiseman or whatever. All of the stuff for McCollum. I don't think he's yeah. worth that. Especially when, like, look, let's be real. Lillard is going to become available eventually. Bradley Beal is going to become available eventually. You don't want to be the team that gave everything up for McCollum and then, like, two months later you're kicking yourselves because you can't trade for the real star. And it's also, like, if if the Blazers are trying to, like, give Dame help, why are you trading for Andrew Wiggins and a 19-year-old kid? Yeah, at that point you just trade everybody. Yeah, so that one that one doesn't make much sense. Uh, Colin Sexton, that do anything for you for the Warriors? I like that he's still on a rookie deal. I don't like that he won't be on a rookie deal for very long. Like if you're making that trade and you're paying the max for Sexton, Curry, Clay Thompson, or Clay, Draymond, and Wiggins, because you're not giving up Wiggins in that deal. I don't think that that's really financially feasible. I also don't really get like, do you really want to ball hog on a team with Curry and Draymond? Yeah, six one ball hog <laughs> on top of everything else. I've been thinking about, and you know, you're gonna do your whole thing and you're gonna laugh at me. I think he'd be a great fit for the Lakers, and I think that the relationship. Kyle Kuzma. I, it's the, no, it's the it's the memorial CJ McCollum package that I throw in every podcast. Kyle Kuzma, KCP, number twenty two overall, twenty twenty eight unprotected. Um, it's going to happen one day. You're going to be so One day happy. they're going to trade that. It's not going to be for Kyle Texas. It's going to be for Harrison Barnes or something. But yeah, I do think that the, the fit between Sexton and LeBron could be pretty similar, not obviously in talent because Kyrie is way better, but stylistically could be similar to what LeBron and Kyrie were because you have one point guard who's not really a point guard, and then you have a non-point guard who basically is the point guard. So Sexton could just worry about scoring, and LeBron could do all the table setting. Yeah, well, Sexton's an interesting name. He was actually on our list, so that was a, a clean segue. Um, he's reportedly been involved in some trade discussions, but uh, this is a, a, his camp is under the impression that he won't be moved. I guess the issue is, uh, as you he's mentioned, famous last words. He's due, he's due for an extension. Um, he apparently wants max money. Cleveland is going to be picking uh, unless they trade the pick. They're going to be picking number three and likely getting either Jalen Green. Or Evan Mobley, who are both very, very good young players who will likely need to be paid as well. Darius Garland played really well last year. I don't know who they prefer out of those two, but I guess the idea of like, you know, see what we can get for this guy rather than having to pay him is out there, even though he's under the impression that he is part of their future plans. Well, I think it depends on who they draft, right? Because if they pick Jalen Green, suddenly their backcourt makes a little bit more sense. Garland is the point guard and Green is the shooting guard. At that point, Colin Sexton might not make much sense. And I guess you don't trade him just for the sake of trading him. But if you can trade him for good positive value on something that aligns your team a little bit better, then I guess it would make some sense. If they get Evan Mobley, then there's just no reason to break up Sexland, right? Because they still only have two guards. Unless it's the financial thing where you just right. you don't want to pay all three of those guys eventually. Right. But, I mean, you've got plenty of time. If you're drafting Evan Mobley, you're not paying him for four years. Right. 
Now they are they do have to pay Jared Allen this offseason, which raises some other questions. Like if you're paying Jared Allen eighty, ninety million dollars, do you really want to draft Evan Mobley? Like maybe they take Suggs at that point. I don't know. There's also you know who they are paying. They're paying Kevin Love for two more seasons. How are there still two more seasons left on that deal, Sam? I think it's gonna be one of those things where like I think it's just going to be time as a flat circle, and we're going to get to the end of next year, and there's still going to be two years left on that deal. Okay, wait. I thought we, like, doesn't the year go doesn't it expire at some point? Well, like they're going to draft Bronny James in 2024, and like the the story is going to be yeah, in two years Kevin Love is going to come off the books, and we're going to be able to sign him back. <laughs> well, it's going to happen. And the reason I bring up Kevin Love is there has been some rumors that they could package Sexton and and attach. Kevin Love's salary say, hey, you got to take this on, but we'll give you sex and, you know, whatever. I mean, honestly, I, I think if that's all it takes, I think there are plenty of teams that should do that, right? Like, if the Lakers could get Sexton just with matching salary first-round picks and you're taking on Kevin Love, LeBron's saying, great, go do that. Yeah, and Kevin Love might be okay at basketball still. We just don't know because he doesn't play, and when he does, he's actively sabotaging his team. So who knows? Well, he's it's not even that he has to be, like, good. If he's Blake Griffin where he can give you, like, 20 productive minutes, you're in good shape. And Blake obviously played a lot more than that in the Buck series, and I think that's part of what, what went wrong, because Giannis had figured him out by the end, and he was just gassed. But if the Nets had been healthy and Blake had been playing 20, 25 minutes as he'd been supposed to, like, they'd be winning the title right now. Yeah, so Colin Sexton and Kevin Love are going to the Lakers, is what you're saying. I'm pulling up the trade machine right now to just see if <laughs> I, I, I have a fake trade in mind. I just need to see if it works against the cap. Um, I listen, I would totally be on board with that if the Lakers could do it. And they're they're getting rid of Shooter in this situation. I mean, maybe you sign and trade him somewhere else, you just get yeah. a trade exception or something. Like whatever. I, having listen, Shooter they got the same backcourt is a little dangerous. Yeah, well I think you could probably turn Schroeder into a backup if you really have like you could make that work. I wouldn't be super worried about that, is my point. Um, we should probably talk about non-Lakers destinations for Colin Sexton, just if we want to be slightly realistic. Do you have any others you like? Honestly, I haven't really given it much thought. It's just like, I mean, he's a young athletic point guard. I, I don't think, uh, he doesn't strike me as like a team that like a, a, or a guy that like a win now team would be like, yes, this guy's going to push over the top. It's more like, Hey, let's take a, a chance on a young player who's shown that he can score 20 points a game and see how he can coexist with, you know, some other decent players. My trade works on the trade machine, by the way. You just need Montrez Harrell to opt in. Kevin Love and Colin Sexton for KCP, Montrez Harrell, Kyle Kuzma, and two first-round picks. I'm Who in. says no? Who says no, Colin? The Cavs get Montrez Harrell? Yeah, he's opting Dude. in in this scenario. I'm just picturing like Montrez Harrell playing like like 30 minutes a game and just getting all sorts of like garbage baskets and averaging like 25 points and 12 rebounds a game. It would make him well, so happy. If they draft Mobley and they re-sign Allen, Montrez Harrell is the third center of that team, so I don't think it makes much sense for him. I, I, um, I'm putting this out there. I think that Mobley is going to play next to a big, almost in like the Anthony Davis mold, at least for the beginning of his yeah. career. And I think you could probably rotate those three guys together. I think most of them, maybe Allen and Harrell couldn't play together, but otherwise both could fit with Mobley and both could fit with Larry Nance. What about the Knicks as a Sexton team? Knicks fans just groaned. I heard it. It's the collective you, groan. Well, like, I'm sorry. I know that they want Damian Lillard, but, like, maybe you don't get him. Like, just maybe you just trade Derek for the Rose good. at that point, right? Really? Like, are you that low on Colin Sexton? 
I've watched I've watched more Colin Sexton than I probably would care the to. The dude admit. averaged almost twenty five a game last year. Like that's not nothing. He can score. End of sentence. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think you're I think you're underrating him a little bit. I'm trying to find a team for him. Like it's hard because so many teams have lead ball handlers. And I'm thinking like I get, I, my yeah. point is like. Okay, I, I got yeah, you're right because we can't do this thing where you know we're, we're it's being disproven this playoffs where you're like oh yeah he's only scoring a bunch because he's on a bad team like that's not fair maybe if he got on a good team under a, a more organized system with other good players on his team he might still score a lot but I, I'm not a fan of of lead guards who are just kind of incapable of setting up teammates and maybe he's getting better at that I think he averaged a few assists this year which is better than his normal average but. Um, uh, I, I'd like more of a playmaker unless you want the guy to just come off the bench and score, in which case you don't want a guy who's demanding max money. How many first-round picks from Boston for Kyle Sexton? Just the pick? Uh, they need they, someone else coming, or it's just the picks? Let's say just the picks. I'm like, I don't know. I'll throw in Romeo Langford. Mm. Two? I think they'd ask for three. But yeah. with some you yeah. can ask if you want. You ain't getting it. Listen, I, I just proposed a trade to you in which the Lakers gave up two first-round picks and took on Kevin Love. Are the Lakers going to get Colin Sexton? I think you just made it happen. I think I, I made it happen. Yeah. You know where I'd really love to see Sexton? Like, You know what I was thinking about today in general, by the way? What if the NBA had a loan system, like in soccer, where like Jamal Murray is going to be out for the year next year, for most of the year anyway, and Cleveland's not going to be good? What if they just loaned Colin Sexton to Denver for a year? I love this idea. I'm not I'm not even familiar with it in soccer. So you can just send somebody to a team for a year and they pay you? I well, I think the idea is in soccer, and like I'm not a soccer person, so if I get this wrong, don't get too mad at me. But I think the idea is the super big, like Manchester United, those kind of, you know, programs, I guess you call them. They have so many young players that they can't play them all. So they send them out to other teams to develop. And then when they get good, they bring them back. Like, you have their rights, but you loan them out. So I was thinking, the real benefit to this, and all roads lead back to tanking on this podcast, is say you're a tanking team, and you want to keep the rights to your really good young player, but you also want to tank. Like, if you're Oklahoma City, you just say, hey, Shea Gildas Alexander, go compete for a title for two years on, like, I don't know, the Celtics or something. And then we'll recall you when we're ready to win. Yeah. That would be really cool, right? That's incredible. That's the you best idea. You get a first-round pick for support or something. Like and that. it works the other way, too, where, like, these guys who get drafted to good teams never get to play until, like, their third or fourth year in the league, unless they want to play in the G League. So, yeah, send them to the Thunder. Like, go go play. Knock <laughs> yourself out. I think this is a good idea. I think we're on to yeah. something. I think we might have to get a soccer person in and to do the, a whole podcast on that. Well, it doesn't have to be exactly like It's like Adam Silver. You know, we're doing the midseason tournament. It's like soccer, but we don't have to do it exactly like Have I told you my midseason tournament idea? This is another podcast I'm ruining. You have more ideas? This is great. Yes, surprisingly. The guy hosting the podcast has things he wants to say on the podcast. Um, my midseason tournament idea has always been you're not going to entice people with a new trophy or with a first-round pick or money. I think the way that you do it and the way that you get fans to care about it is by make by changing the rules. So, like, what if during the midseason tournament there was a four-point shot? Something like that. That's it, yeah. Like a big three style, you know. I like the idea of if you're fouled on a three-pointer, 
you have to shoot one three from the top of the key. That's it. We don't have to sit there and watch. Oh, I like that a three lot. Three free throws. Yeah, they do that I in the like big that three. A lot. That's, a That's a great idea. Um, but yeah. the other thing you could do is you change one rule, but you change that rule every year. So like maybe one year there's a four point there's a four point shot. The next year, like you can go backcourt if you want. Like there's no half court violation. Maybe there's no out of bounds when you're like you just change the rules constantly. No, no three seconds. You just camp or out like, the key. Right, like you just change one rule per year, and we kind of get this weird glimpse at how players would look in a different universe, and you get to try out all sorts of crazy things. Have you have you kind of put these two ideas together, where the winner of the midseason tournament then gets to choose a player, a designated player from one of the teams, and take them, and they're led alone to their team for the rest of the season? How about the that? The reason that doesn't work is that you know what would happen is like. The Nets have won the midseason tournament and have claimed Anthony Davis for the rest of the season. Well, that it's like the it's like the expansion draft. You get to protect a certain number of players. Everyone else is fair game. Uh, I still don't like it because I don't like strengthening the best team. But it's the midseason tournament, so it might not be the best team. That might be the San Antonio Spurs or somebody kind of mediocre, and then they get this extra piece. So, all right, but this no is not the right time to be discussing this. No, you know that in practice, if, if this actually happened, the Nets would just win it. That's what would happen. They'd actually try, you mean? Try for a regular season game? Then you've accomplished the goal of the midseason tournament. Touché. Drop the mic. Touche. I've got nothing else to say. One what more about- warrior that we didn't talk about. Or, <laughs> he's not a warrior. He's a potential warrior. Um, ben Simmons, he's on everybody's mind. Um, probably going to get traded. I don't know. Everybody keeps saying he's probably going to get traded or he's played his last game with the 76ers. Are we sure about that? I was on, I did a radio hit earlier today and a radio host asked me about this. And what I said was basically, I think people are really drastically underrating a, what his value is around the league and B what Philly values him as, because I think they might trade him, but they're not going to trade him just for the sake of trading him. Right? Like if you're trading, Ben Simmons for Malcolm Brogdon, there's just no point at that point, right? Like you're not, you're not doing anything. My theory is that one team is going to make a fair offer. I don't know who that team is going to be, but it's sort of that thing where like Timofey Moskov can get 72 million or 64 million, whatever he got, as long as one team thinks he's worth that. Well, one team is going to look at Ben Simmons and say, he's an all NBA talent. If we put enough shooting around him, we'll be in good shape. I don't know who that team's going to be. But my suspicion is he's going to get traded and it's going to be a surprise team that has that valuation. Warriors are in kind of a tough spot. I, I like, I mean, the more I think about it, the more I like Simmons with the Warriors. Um, him and Draymond on offense together would be a little bit difficult. Um, but obviously defensively, that, that's very exciting uh, potential. And to give them a secondary playmaker, um, you can kind of, you know, play off of Steph and Clay running off screens and stuff like that. I like it. Um, I think their package is going to be difficult to pull off with Philadelphia because you say it's Wiggins 7-14, even if you want to throw in Wiseman. I don't know how much use the Sixers have for for those picks and players at this point. Yeah, I think it would have to be a three-way. You'd have to send Wiggins and Wiseman and, you know, the picks to whoever, and you get a guard going back their way. I just don't see it for Golden State. Like, I don't know why you need two Draymonds on this team. Well, I think the idea would be, you know, he'd play center uh, or power forward center, whatever. Draymond and Ben Simmons would be the two big men. And you'd have this kind of hybrid, you know, switchy, transition heavy lineup. Um, Obviously, half court 
you'd have to work out some things and, and figure stuff out. Um, but with Steph and Clay, it makes things a lot easier. Well, I don't think you could play Draymond 82 games at center in the regular season. So when you're talking about the regular season, you'd realistically have to play like Simmons at the three, Draymond at the four. And because it's Steve Kerr, like whatever non-valuable center they end up with, let's say Andre Drummond, um, whatever vertical spacer they end up signing, um, that wouldn't really make sense in the regular season. You just, you wouldn't be able to score enough. And then in the playoffs, okay, I guess you could get away with Draymond at center full time, but the transition stuff just isn't nearly as valuable in the playoffs. So I guess, I don't know, man, like you're just not going to sell me on this. How valuable has shooting been this postseason, right? Like how many times this postseason have we seen a team downsize and feel good about it? Like that's the whole Clippers run, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, that was what, and they started starting Avisa Zubac again for some unknown reason, and they lost to the Suns. Um, but Simmons can shoot. I mean, we've all seen the videos of doing turnarounds. Okay, okay, and I'm going to stop you right open, there. Open gym, step backs, and spin moves and all this stuff. He, he's got it, so he just needs to go the to Golden word, State. The word can is doing a lot of work there, and what you're really saying is, You've seen Ben Simmons take 15 shots on like He's Twitter videos in an edited Twitter video. So we don't know how many he missed in between those makes. Yeah, I, I would not take put too much faith in those videos is all I'm going to say. Well, I just yeah. I'm, I'm sorry if I'm the Warriors, like your plan should be get another guy who can take some of the offensive load off the step. Like we don't know what Clay's going to be next year. And even if Clay is Clay, they need another ball handler. Right. Like isn't hasn't that been their problem? Isn't that why they signed Kevin Durant? Simmons can, handle, Simmons can handle the ball. Yeah, yeah but he can't score. <laughs> He's not a ball handler. He can handle the ball. Yeah. He just can't score, which is what you need that role to do. You need somebody besides Stephen Curry to create a shot. Yeah, maybe they just take uh, you know James Bonite with the seventh pick and he's taking care of it. Or they have Jordan Poole. Here's how yeah. little college basketball I watch. I always thought it was Book Knight. So did I. And then I, I looked it up on YouTube. It's Bo, Bo Knight. It's I like... Really- like yeah. a knight of the round table. Just forget the case there. A bow and arrow. Imagine <laughs> bow, a bow knight. Yeah, that's good. Remember, imagine being the the knight at the round table who's the bow and arrow guy. Because it must be like the Avengers, right? Where like nobody takes Hawkeye seriously. You've yeah, got these guys, King Arthur over here, pulling a sword out of a stone, like with his magic powers. And oh, here's the other guy in the corner who can shoot a bow and arrow. I don't know. Like I would feel inadequate if that were me. I mean, at least, you know, Black Widow doesn't have even a weapon. She's just like, she just fights people. It's kind of weird. Actually talented, right? And she's acrobatic. She does things like she has value to the team. She's a role player. I'm not going to say that she's not. She's a role player. But I see how she has actual value. Whereas Hawkeye has like eight arrows and that's it. What does he do when he runs out? And aren't they like, they're like heat seeking, right? Like, it's not like he's even aiming. They just, <laughs> they find the target themselves. Is that true? I didn't even know that. I think it, it's, uh, I you know, I'm not the Marvel expert, but I remember him shooting them and they explode and there's some sort of tracking device on them. But God, we get, we get derailed so quickly on what this podcast. What you saying is that I could be an Avenger at that point. I, I mean, yeah, you'd look good in the suit too. I think I, I God, career change, Colin. Yeah. If you were an Avenger, what would your superhero name be? Ah, uh, ooh, that's tough. Colin the Crusher? No, nah, I don't like crushing things. I've I'm never seen like a, not even once. I would want something to do that, like like laser, 
like something like that. That's like like fast and sharp, and I can like shoot lasers out of my eyes or hands or something. I would do that. My fantasy superhero is a hero whose name is Hero, and he solves crimes with his super hearing. And you're making fun of Hawkeye. That's I would worst, argue that's the worst superhero idea I've ever way heard. Way more valuable than bow and arrows. But so you can like eavesdrop 100%. on people and like find yes. out what they're saying about you. Have you ever seen? Did you watch Thirty Rock? I've seen a lot of it, not all of it. There's a great moment. There's a great joke where one of the characters pitches a show about a detective who has no sense of smell, and they cut to a clip of it, and he's like talking to a corrupt senator. It's like you underestimated me, senator, because I couldn't smell the documents, but you let me see them, and that was your mistake. <laughs> it was like in. Uh... Family Guy, where they call Aquaman to help him, and he can't do anything because it's yeah. not underwater. Aquaman can come above water, right? Yeah, like, but he like, can come above. That's his powers. whole deal. It doesn't have any powers, old... though. Okay, but he's still like a pretty physically fit man. Well, I would the, argue the, that, the like, new guy, the the Game of Thrones guy, is, but uh, the original Aquaman, mm, not so much. You think the original Aquaman is not in good shape? All he Dang. does all day is swim. A normal human being i mean it's like michael phelps are you intimidated michael phelps gonna come help save you from space aliens i don't know i think that aquaman has gotten a bad rap for way too long and i will not have it on this podcast he has powers hawkeye doesn't underwater he has powers but once he gets on land he, they're rendered useless what does hawkeye do if he goes underwater nothing heat seeking underwater arrows we've derailed we so we've far off derailed track. Let's get back on track. You know who's almost like a superhero with the size of his hands? Kawhi Leonard. And he's injured right now. However, uh, he can also become a free agent if he so chooses now that the Clipper season is over. So um, all indications, I believe, unless you've heard otherwise, are that he's most likely going to return to Los Angeles. But there are a couple of teams uh, that Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer mentioned are going to go pretty hard after Kawhi. One is the Miami Heat, one is the Dallas Mavericks, and then he kind of said, you know, the Knicks are going to go after everybody. So, um, one, do you think Kawhi is leaving? Two, uh, do you think he would leave for any of those teams? I think what we're going to do this offseason is we're all going to start every one of these sentences with, I don't think Kawhi is leaving. Oh, there's no way he's leaving. We're going to do all the caveats. But over the next month or so, we're all going to slowly talk uh, talk ourselves into this being a real thing. We're like, we're going to get to July 28th and we're not going to have heard anything. And we're going to start saying, you know, I still think Kawhi is going to stay with the Clippers, but the maps are pretty appealing. And then right at the start of free agency, he's just going to resign. That's what I think is going to happen. How, ter- how terrified must the Clippers be about the, like, the leak to like Sham saying Kawhi Leonard's camp isn't happy with the way his injury was dealt with. Like that's got to be just nerve wracking when you're tra- going through the personal trainers and stuff like that. Well, I mean, I'll throw this out there because I've been saying this from day one. Kawhi has been happy with one medical team his entire life, and it was the Raptors. <laughs> the Raptors have max cap space. I'm just saying. And they're trading Siakam to the Warriors, so it work out perfectly. I don't know how those two things are related, but okay. It opens up a spot for him. <laughs> I, I would argue that like, if the Raptors had to play three forwards, I think they would be okay with that. I don't think that's something that would bother them. Yeah, I think, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I think 
pretty much everyone's going to say. Well, if he does go back to the Clippers, does he doesn't opt in, right? He's going to sign a new deal. I would suspect. Well, the one uh, I think he's going to just yeah, I, I I think he's just going to sign a new deal. Would it be the only like issue a, is a one plus one, and we do this again next next well, summer. Well, the issue he only has early bird rights, so he can't sign for five years. So that would be the one reason that you either opt in or you just sign a one plus one is because then you'd have full bird rights next year. Mm. Early bird and regular bird rights. I still don't understand the difference. Colin, I just wrote 1,700 words about this exact topic two days ago. Go read my work. I read zero of those words. I hate to break it to you. I probably should, though, because uh, we do a podcast about transactions, and it would help if I was informed. Yeah, well, I was talking about Reggie Jackson, so we're only slightly off topic at that point. But oh, it's okay. Yeah. Um, so Mavericks' Kevin O'Connor said that the idea of Luka Doncic being there is obviously appealing, and they could uh, finagle their way into Max Caproom. So Kawhi and Luka? I mean, it would be awesome. I just don't know why Kawhi does it. He already has two championships. He doesn't need to. Like, honestly, let's, let's be honest about what's happening. Kawhi would love to win another championship or two. Like, I think that would be great. Kawhi is basically retired, except he still plays basketball, right? Like, he's accomplished all the things that he needs to accomplish. He's gotten back home. He's, like, solved his personal life, I guess. And now he's just playing basketball because he's young enough and able-bodied enough to do so. He's basically right? just, like, like showing, showing up at the rec center for, like, YMCA right. run. and getting paid a lot of money to do it. Like, like this isn't Damian Lillard who's, like, I got to go win something right now because I might never get another chance. Kawhi's just like, I'm good. You know, I'd love another ring, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. And, and after, it's not the Clippers, trouble. after the Clippers played this well in the playoffs and, and showed heart and fight and grit. And, you know, if they blew another lead or just kind of lost that first series to Dallas, it would have been funny if he went to Dallas after that. But it, it would have given him, you know, maybe left a sour taste in his mouth after seeing what this team was capable of doing, even without him. The idea of coming back and being a part of that and potentially winning again next year has to be exciting for him. More exciting probably than going to the Mavericks at this point. Well, imagine if they had won the championship this year. Do you think he would have felt a little excluded? Like if they'd won it without him? That <laughs> well, was something would, I was thinking about. Celebrating right? up, like, up in the skybox instead of well, on like, the bench with teammates. Say they'd beaten Phoenix and they'd made it to the finals. Then Kawhi had come back and they'd lost in the finals from there. I feel like that locker room might not have been thrilled. <laughs> this is just total, you know, reckless speculation. But, like, at that point, you sort of feel like, man, like, I'm crashing this cool thing that they had. Well, that's like we were talking about earlier in the podcast, where it's like the other guys are like, oh, man, so fun playing this way. And then Kawhi walks in. It's like record scratch. Like, oh, yeah, uh, it's fun playing with you, too. Well, Kawhi's never said the word. Oh, no, he has said the word fun because he's a fun guy. He's a fun guy. Yeah. Um, the, the point is, I think it would be really cool. I'd love it if Dallas signed him. It's just not going to happen. Does Pat I, Riley come in and do the ring drop, put the rings on the table, get him in there? He's like, well, then Kawhi just pulls out two rings of his own and says like, I see your rings and I raise you two more. He's got, he's got, it's Pat Riley, man. He's got those bewitching eyes. You, you look at him and his slick back hair. You just, you can't resist. He's got something. Is Pat Riley a pickup artist? I'm just, I'm, let me Ooh, just play this out. That's not because bad. Because Pat Riley is like, let's think about the guys that he's getting. Like, he's getting LeBron pre-rings, Bosh pre-rings, Jimmy Butler pre-rings. Um, I guess he traded for Alonzo Mourning, so that doesn't really count. But, like, I feel like he is really good at picking up guys who are desperate for something 
but he's not great at securing like the marriage material people. And by the way, LeBron left. Like, I'll just throw that out there. So like maybe Pat Riley is just like really good at convincing desperate people that he's exactly what they need in that moment. He's like throwing, like insulting them, making them feel bad about themselves. He's That's what he did. <laughs> That's what he did to LeBron. He threw out the rings like, oh, see all these rings? I have rings. Do you have rings? You think he knows How magic? Isn't that one of the isn't that one of the pickup artist techniques? You have to do magic tricks. Wait, is that seriously a thing? I don't know. I've never done any of the pickup artists. Don't stuff. act like you didn't you didn't read the book and or watch the show. I did not read the book. Absolutely not. I, I have too much respect for my fellow human being. The correct answer is there's a book. See, you, you oh. sold yourself out. You played yourself. Well, you know what, Colin? We can't all be as lucky as you to be married to a wonderful baker. Well, yeah, I had to go through the whole pickup artist thing first and realize that this is not the way to get, to find a wife. Kind of to your point. And by the way, well, I guess Riley did find a wife in Dwayne Wade, but they even they split. They it was a rocky marriage. Yeah, that was weird. Nobody remembers that, but he went to Chicago. What happened? What is the marriage equivalent of retirement? Are they sleeping in separate bedrooms now? Because uh, Wade is gone now. That's a, you know, that's a more common thing these days because people realize that sleep is very important to marriages. And is it an open marriage? Because I, I, I wouldn't go, I wouldn't go that far. It's more just like, you know, you do your thing. I do my thing. We love each other, but I we don't need the, to be together all the time. I think the marriage, you know, metaphor falls apart when you start talking about Dwayne is retired and Jimmy's there and Bam's there. And now Dwayne is in Utah. Sam, I hope you did that on purpose because our, the yeah, that's why I said it twice. First it on our list time, Colin. is Dwayne Wade uh, because he has mentioned reportedly uh, that he feels that Donovan Mitchell might not be happy in Utah again. Uh, if you recall, we went through this. Was it last year? Pre-bubble, post-bubble, well, last year, pre-bubble. Because remember, he and Rudy Gobert both got COVID, and that's right. One of them infected the other. We don't know which is which. But there were it was apparently some tensions there. Yeah, and there was a I think the word unsalvageable was thrown around, and then they came back and played, and they had the best record in the league. So, uh, are we to believe that Donovan Mitchell is unhappy in a permanent way, or he's unhappy because uh, they lost in a very kind of nasty way to the Clippers uh, without Kawhi Leonard, and Donovan Mitchell was hurt and probably couldn't give his hundred percent? Is that why he's unhappy? I mean, I think he's unhappy because he's on a team that's not a championship-caliber team. Whoa! Oh, my goodness. They lost to the Clippers without their best player. What what more do you want me to say? And I think if they had... I feel like... I feel bad for Utah to an extent. I mean, the injuries obviously paid a part. But also, like, for all we know, they might have just run into the one team in all of basketball. I guess the Nets, too. Like, the Nets can do this, too. But they might have run into the one style in all of basketball that, like, totally through them and if they had gone through a different playoff damn it like say they had been the two seed and you know they hadn't gotten the clippers in the second round maybe they get the nuggets and things look very different i don't know like maybe they could have won the title then but we've now seen this glaring weakness from rudy gobert when it comes to defending against small ball teams and they're never going to have an easier path than they had this year right it's never going to be easier for them than the lakers getting knocked out the clippers being hurt the nets getting knocked out Next year, when they have to play against the real contenders, I don't think they're going to win. 
or maybe this builds strength within them and they all come back better. And, you know, Quinn Snyder's figured out a, a game plan for when teams go small against Gobert. I don't know, man. The like, game plan is get another star. They're well, yeah, I mean, if that's everyone's game plan. But how does how do they do that? They don't, which is why he's unhappy. And it's why they're not a contender. It's like a round and round in a circle. Right. Now, I got some crap for this. I said last offseason they should trade Rudy Gobert because they were not going to win a title with those two as the core. And the move should have been, let's take a step back and refocus around Mitchell because now they're in this position where they have to re-sign Conley, who's in his 30s. Rudy Gobert is very dependent on athleticism, and he has very clear weaknesses. So I wouldn't suspect he's going to age well in that supermax. Bogdanovich and Ingles in their 30s. Jordan Clarkson is his own sort of entity. Like, how is that team getting better internally? It's not. Derek Favors. Got on, I don't know how many years he's got left. I mean, we, we should be measuring Derek Favors in minutes, not in years. When I, I say, that, say he, like in like rings, like a tree. <laughs> Count the I rings mean, on his was, thighs. <laughs> he was like a, what, a 10-minute-a-game player in the playoffs, and they were not 10 good minutes? Yeah. There were some if you want to talk Derek about favors. manageable fix, fix fixes for Utah, they've got to get a small ball center option. They need to have some option that does not involve Rudy Gobert or Derek Favors when they play teams like the Clippers. Isn't that funny, though? Because, like, like Marcus Morris was playing center or Nick Batum, whatever you want to say. So, like, can't Royce O'Neal play center? Like, what? what's the difference? Royce O'Neal's 6'4". That's a little much. He, but eh. you know my game show idea. Is he a center? And the, the answer for everyone is yes. That's a great game show. It really is, because that's what when you get to the playoffs, everybody's a center. I'm a center, Colin. You are who you guard. So. Well, listen, Colin, well, I, I'm going to tie this back. You're the host of this podcast today. You're kind of the point guard. You're throwing me these lobs, and I'm finishing them like a center. Like Brooke Lopez. Like Brooke Lopez. Wow, that was efficient. So Look at us, tying it right back to the beginning. We're getting good at this, I think. We really we just, are. We get, now we just need to get to the point where we don't point out every time we do a segue. Yes, exactly. <laughs> or a callback. Well, I think that comes with time, Colin. I think we need to get comfortable enough that we just don't even notice. That's what it is. You know what else I don't get about Donovan Mitchell? So... Uh, all the reporting is that like, oh, Donovan Mitchell wasn't happy with the way that the Jazz handled his injury because they didn't let him play in that first game. But then like he was clearly like still hurt through a lot of the series. So it's like, what is he unhappy about? Like, it seems like he probably wasn't ready to play and that they knew what they were doing. So I, I don't I don't really understand that. Does it, say seem something? Like, does it seem like more players to you are unhappy with medical staffs than ever? I think, well, I you know, having been an athlete, I do know that uh, when you're injured, you just hate the world, like, yeah. with a passion, and you just want to get back out on the court, and you get frustrated because, you know, as you see, like, Mike Conley, you mentioned, like, you think you're getting ready to come back, then you have a setback. Same thing happened with James Harden. It's like, I, I can see why the frustrations would kind of circulate around injuries, Um Particularly when you're dealing with these players now who, you know, Kawhi Leonard is the most famous example. He has his own medical team and they kind of consult with the Clippers. So I'm sure, you know, Donovan Mitchell has probably his own guys, his own doctors he wants to see or whatever. And if they're getting if he's getting conflicting information from them, from what the team says, I can see how that could be a source of conflict. But can I I ask how two like separate doctors could come to such different conclusions about these things? Oh, man, that's what I've never understood. 
you see all these sports scientists and stuff like about everyone's got different theories. You know, it's like the idea isn't like, oh, your hamstring is torn. We need you to rest. And we need it's like, how do we like get you back fast? How do we, you know, uh, make sure that this doesn't happen again? It's where you see people standing on those like foam pads and like tossing balls around. It's like everybody's got their own techniques. Uh, I think the basic like like if you tear your ACL, like you have to get ACL surgery. There's no like medical opinion about that. Uh, but I think the rehab and the kind of prevention are where things start to get a little sideways. Can we talk about the elephant in the room with Mitchell? What's that? Why he probably doesn't want to live in Utah anymore. Mm-hmm. Not now. Like I'm not saying he's forcing his way out or anything, but like, let's be real. I'm going to say, I feel pretty comfortable saying this. You can dispute it if you want. Is Salt Lake the single least desirable market in all of basketball for a young black player, considering everything. Uh, it's hard. Yeah, I mean, Boston might not be high on the list right now, but at least at got, least Boston is like close uh, to the Northeast. Like there are advantages to Boston, but there's obviously a lot of red flags. Yeah, we should. Uh, uh, it's hard to get into this discussion just because right. I have in those cities, so it's hard for me to say. But we can say that there has been public, you know, players have come out publicly saying that. They, the black players in particular, they don't feel comfortable playing in Salt Lake City, uh, particularly visiting players, but I'm sure some of the home players as well. So I would, if he does ever leave, I do, I would not look forward to his first game back. That would be ugly. Yeah, and he's really good. Uh, he's really really fun to watch. I, I hope. I don't know what I hope. I hope he. I hope he continues. I thought you were about to say I hope he stays. And like, look, karmically, I don't know. Kind of hope he leaves. Yeah, it's just I don't know. I want him to do whatever makes him happy. But uh, yeah, I guess that's, that's the point, political answer. Yeah. The point of this conversation is that we should be on the radar as potentially one of the next superstars to say adios to his situation. Yeah, he, but he has four years of team control left, so it's not happening now. Yeah. But like, I'd say if they don't make it to the conference finals at least in the next two years, that's when the alarm start needs to go going off. Yeah. So speaking of conference finals, the Clippers just got ousted in the conference finals and uh, they might want to add somebody this offseason. Um, Kemba Walker has reportedly uh, being he's being pursued by the Lakers and the Clippers, both L.A. teams. I'm going to let I you like take this, this one because you're, you're, you're the L.A. Lakers guy. I actually don't think this makes much sense for the Lakers because it would cost all of their matching salary. Like. I don't know. I wouldn't be super thrilled if they traded KCP and Kuzma and Harrell for Kemba and just like, that's it. Like, you're the LeBron Kemba AD team. That doesn't interest me too much. I think the Clippers makes more sense because they have so much matching salary to work with. And the Lakers are going to be in this position next year once everybody signed. But like, the Clippers could just send out Rondo, Abaka, and Kennard, and they've matched salary. I don't know if OKC wants Kennard. That's a long term contract. But, like, you can match the salary easy, easily enough that you're not giving up your core pieces. So, like, I'll throw this is the trade I'll throw out. Rondo, Abaca, Kennard, and the number 25 overall pick for Kemba Walker. OKC, essentially, they're getting a first-round pick to take on the Kennard money, and then they get off of Kemba, obviously, for two expiring contracts. Clippers say no. <laughs> this is my answer. Why? I don't understand why the Clippers want Kemba Walker. I'll just re-sign Reggie Jackson. Well, why not do both? Player in the NBA. Why not do both? 
and give yourself some insurance. I'm pretty sure Reggie Jackson is the best player in the NBA. Would I bet my life on him being the best player in the NBA next year? Probably not. Well, okay. So all we talk about with Kemba Walker is that he's injured. He's never going to be the same. Oh, you know who's injured and never is going to be the same? Rondo and Ibaka. It doesn't Ibaka have an option? Is he, is he opting into that? Yeah, he's going to opt in. He's not. He's not hitting the market after back surgery. I don't know, man. I don't know. No, he's opting in. I'll let's make a bet on air. Name your price. I don't. I don't do bet. I don't. I don't gamble, as we Howard. found out at the beginning of this podcast. If you want to throw some daily fantasy uh, money on that, I'd be happy to. We got to come up with a non-financial bet just so I can get you comfortable enough to get into this. That's how they get you. This is how you start the addiction. Um, the point is, we'll do a gentleman's wager then that Serge Ibaka will opt into the last year of his contract. I don't know. I feel like if I'm the Clippers, I like I like the squad. I feel like it, it, obviously if they get Kawhi back and then. I thought Abaco was going to be a really important piece for them, and he just didn't play in the playoffs. So I don't know. I'd be, I wouldn't be what? itching to get rid of guys to get Kemba Walker and his injured small self into their lineup. He didn't play for them in the playoffs. They found the small ball thing because of that. Right, right, but then you don't have to play Zubak. You can play Abaco. You know, you have optionality. You have a, a big who can stretch the floor and actually shoot. And can protect the rim in theory uh, if he can still do that after whatever's going on with his back. But uh, my point, like, how is the switching small ball going to work if you have Kemba Walker playing defense? It worked with Reggie Jackson. Reggie's big, man. He's a big, strong guy. Kemba Walker's oh. little, little teeny. I, He's got knee problems. I, I think you're way too reliant on Reggie Jackson. And like, remember, Kemba Walker started the All Star game last year. Like that was not like five years ago. That was 18 months ago. I mean, I don't know. I mean, if he, maybe he'll come back, and this is like, you know, when we said Chris Paul was washed, and then he ended up being an all-NBA player again. Like, Kemba Walker's not even that old, but he, he hasn't been healthy for a, a while. You want to know what my honest prediction is? Kemba Walker is going to go to OKC, play great, and some team is going to give up two first-round picks to get him. That's how this works. Well, if that's the case, then OKC is certainly not going to trade him for Rondo, Kennard, and Serge Ibaka. Well, I think they can mitigate the risk at that point. They're just saying we're going to get one first-round pick, and we're going to get off of this in case it goes sour. Our hands are clean. Plus, also, they already like, got why are you, first-round pick. Why are you giving up? Why are you giving up on Kennard already? If you're the Clippers. You, you just signed him to this huge contract, and you're like, ah, he's terrible. Get rid of him. Well, my theory is your guard rotation next year would be Walker, Jackson, Beverly, and Mann. So, like, do you want Kennard as a fifth guard? Yeah, I mean, somebody's going to get injured. Everyone knows that. Well, right. I'm just saying, like, the point is, if you can get Walker, who, and by the way, if you're the Clippers, you're so deep that you can afford to, like, not play him back-to-backs and do whatever you have to do to keep him healthy. I don't know. I wouldn't mess with it. They're not messing with it. They're giving away guys that don't matter. Uh, you're saying Kennard doesn't matter. That's crazy. No, Kennard doesn't matter. You're crazy, man. I'm not um, crazy. I, I don't like over. it, but... Uh, you, you make a good, compelling argument, and I think that that that's something they'll look into because, as we've mentioned, you know, with most of these good teams, they're so financially kind of hamstrung that they have limited options when it comes to adding quality players. Well, the Clippers, I mean, they can't add anybody without trades, right? Because they're going to have to use their mid-level to bring back Batum, and they're going to have to use early birds to bring back Jackson, and they're going to be way, way deep into the tax. So, like, and they have no picks. Well, they actually, fun fact. They can trade a future first-round pick this offseason, finally, 2028. 
2028. The Stepien rule finally has freed them and allowed after them the calendar after the calendar flips. Yes. Um. So my point, like they're in a little bit of a better position because they have so much tradable salary. That's their only way they can get guys. I think we're going to see some sort of aggregation move from the Clippers. I think we're going to see some like if we combine Rondo, Abaca, and one other dude, like what can we get if we offer the number 25 overall pick or the 28 pick? Like let's get one more like pretty big guy. Yeah, I would love to see that. I just don't know if Kimball Walker's that guy. But that's why it's the NBA. We never know what's going to happen. It's very strange. Any I think other you just uh, underrate Kimball Walker. What's that? I think you underrate Kimball Walker. Yeah. I think one year of injuries has scared you off. Yeah, yeah, probably. But I also don't like how little he is. <laughs> this is like a, that short people got no reason to live song. Am I how tall are you, Colin? I'm six foot three. So I tower over Kemba Walker. I've been next to him in locker rooms before. By the way, nicest guy ever. Like, really best teammate. No complaints uh, from anyone about him. I feel bad talking bad about him. But I just don't think he's the, he's the right guy for them. But you have any favorite human beings that you've encountered in locker rooms? Like, any players that just really stood out to you? Um, Joe Ingles is really funny. I was, I've never talked to Joe Ingles, but I've heard that. I was talking to somebody else, and he came... <laughs> Uh, I don't know what I was doing. I was, it was probably something on a rookie because I, I was doing a lot of stories on rookies when I was covering the team. But um, he came over and was like, oh, don't you want to talk to Ekpe Udo? Like, Number eight pick in the draft over here. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I could, I could talk to him too. He's like, oh, I'm just busting your balls. <laughs> yeah, Courtney Lee did something like that to me too. I was talking to J.J. Barea, and Courtney Lee was clearly a little miffed that nobody wanted to talk to him. So every question I asked JJ, Courtney Lee was just behind giving one-word answers. So like, I remember I asked I asked JJ some question about like why do so many guards leave Dallas but eventually come back, and Courtney Lee just kind of like shouts in my ear like it's coach. And JJ <laughs> in like five paragraphs gives the same answer. Like I'm gonna use the long quote. Thank you very much. Yeah, Courtney Lee is quietly like one of the best locker room guys I've ever encountered. Yeah, I can't he, say he's, that's he's a pleasure. A, yeah, he's a who. Malik Monk is, was just super nice to me. I don't know if that was me or, like, I think he kind of knew it was the second game I ever did. And right before I spoke to him, I was waiting in the locker room for him. And all of a sudden, he comes in with Zach Lowe. So I have to watch him talk to the best reporter in the world for, like, five whole minutes. Hey, it happens. And I was I'm... nervous as hell. So I go up to talk to him afterward, and I ask him some question, and he gives me this really funny, self-deprecating answer. And we kind of laugh for a little bit, and I, I just really appreciated that. Malik is very nice to me. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm out in the Bay Area and went to a lot of Warriors games with Chris Haynes and Mark Spears, so I wasn't uh, I wasn't getting a lot of scoops. <laughs> Let's just put yeah. it that way. Um, any but other you can rumors? Still get out from like you can still get good stuff in the locker room. You just have to know who to talk to, right? Like that's oh, what yeah. it really is. I mean, I got the best answer I've ever gotten from James Borrego this year on a Zoom call. And I love like Borrego. He's for my... some great answers, too. I've never heard anyone say anything bad about him. Love Borrego. that guy. He gives you, like, real thoughtful answers. Yeah, like, he's not was, just trying to get it. It was incredible. Yeah. It was, like, a five-paragraph answer, and it was, like, the basis for my entire story. Shout out, James Borrego. So, like, funny, when I when I talked to Borrego at a press conference the last time I did it, it was in Brooklyn a few years ago. Uh, God, a few years ago. That's how long this quarantine has been. I remember, like, I had a few points for this story I was writing about teams using multiple point guards. And, like, he cited specifically, unprompted, all of the teams that I was thinking of. He's like, yeah, we, we figured that out from San Antonio, and we saw this, and we saw that. And it's like, 
Cave, just thank you, man. That's Dan Frigo's great. Yeah. yeah. I also Dan Tony's love, the other great one, by the way. I also love, I love when Dan Tony. You ask a question, and even if they don't mean it, when they're like, oh, great question, and then they answer it, it just makes yeah. me feel good, even though they're My probably. My first just press it. conference I ever went to. I clearly didn't know what I was doing, and I kind of fumbled the mic when I asked my first question. But Sean Mark said, great question to me, and he didn't say it to anybody else. So it just made my day. Boom. You asked a yeah. great question. Oh, give people a little insight. You know, even uh, we reporters get excited when we get good yeah. answers and have good exactly. interactions with players and coaches. So I mean, you should have seen me when I first talked to Caruso. I was just a nervous puddle. Just starstruck. Well, listen, you don't get to talk to the White Mamba every day. It's true. You got to be careful. He's going to be going to be put in jail soon. Then marijuana arrest. How dare you slander the good name of Alex Caruso? Police report. It wasn't me. Just or allegedly. Sorry. Alleged. I feel like this is the right place to close. Yes. Uh, we did it. We we talked about stuff that may or may not ever happen. But that's what we do on this podcast. I had fun. Uh, we get a couple days off coming up, you know, now that the one series is still going, the other one's over, a chance to actually relax a little I bit. I wouldn't mind, like, what if they started the finals in September? Like, let's get off. everybody back. Let Dante DiVincenzo come back, too. Like, let's just let's take a breather. We're at the point in the NBA season when NBA writers are asking, can we move the rest of the season to September? That's how you know things are <laughs> are winding down. We are ready for the offseason. We'll just leave That's it right. Well, we got the we got the final soon. We got the, the our season staff. begins after the final. We're gonna be doing lots of podcasts. So go like, rate, subscribe, uh, send to your friends, download, do all those sorts of things. Uh, Sam, thanks for joining me. Colin, pleasure as always. All right, we'll do it again soon.